0: Hello, friends, and welcome to H.C. Weekly. This is a podcast proclaiming the love of God on display through Jesus Christ. We're so glad you're with us, and I need to tell you, we've been expecting you. We encourage you to tune in for an important announcement at the end. And now it's time for today's message. We hope you enjoy.
1: I want to uh, just encourage you today with a message I've entitled, The Head, the Heart, the Mouth. We've been in our summer school of healing, and uh, you've had messages coming forth here. I've also been sending out links and things like that, and I've encouraged you to be on my podcast uh, Monday through Friday. Good news that actually is, so that you can receive daily encouragements, and then a full message on the Friday that that basically is intended to sow the seed of the Word of God as it pertains to healing into your heart. Now. I want to take a, a little different angle to set something up for us here this morning. Uh, in matters of salvation, I don't generally encounter anyone who struggles with the idea of it being supernatural. Right? Most people are, that I encounter, I talk about, hey, you know, salvation is supernatural. It's not, it's not a natural kind of thing. It's, you're born from heaven when you're saved. So when I say God supernaturally makes a new creation out of someone who's believed with their heart, confessed with their mouth, most that I encounter agree with that declaration really easily. It's not a stretch for them, you know? If I say, you know, when somebody's getting saved, they need to believe with their heart and confess with their mouth, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What are they confessing? That they receive something, right? Right? In that moment in time, they're confessing that they received something. Let's look at what it says. If you have your Bibles, Romans 10, 8 through 13. And let's just look at how the Holy Spirit has mapped this occurrence out for us in the Scripture. In the Scripture. So that you know I'm not just giving you my opinion. But I'm basically working off the basis of the Word of God so that what you hear in your ear and begin to believe in your heart actually comes from the Word of God and not just my personal opinion. So Romans 10 verse 8 through 13 says this, but what does it say? The Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, parentheses, that is the Word of faith which we preach. Preach, in parentheses. What word is in their mouth and in their heart? The word of faith. Where did that come from? Paul's preaching and others' preaching planted into their lives, into their heart, the word of faith. And so what was happening? It was coming at back out of their mouths. Once they believed it in their heart, they began to speak it out of their mouth, right? Verse 9, that if you confess with Your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, if salvation requires confession, I wonder what else might. Verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. What is he to all who call upon him? Rich. 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, what this is trying to tell us is that anyone who believes in their heart and then confesses with their mouth, Jesus Christ is the same Lord over everyone, and he's not going to give you less than he gave another person. You understand what I'm saying? There are two things mentioned here that Mark a supernatural work, and that is the mouth and the heart. Jesus said something important in Luke 6.45. Let me read that to you out of the New King James. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth Speaks. Now, what does he mean? He's not talking about actions in this particular instance. He's talking about speak. What you say. Jesus says here that a person reveals the treasure of their heart by what they speak. He uses the term good and evil as identifying the treasure of the heart. So we can find out what's in a person's heart by what they speak. Are you following me? Hebrews 3.12, interestingly, says, or he speaks of, should I say it, an evil heart of unbelief. So when we're looking for speak... We're looking in a good heart. If we're looking for a good heart, we're looking for speak that is filled with belief in the goodness of God. It's what we're looking for. We're not looking for speak that is filled with doubt and unbelief in him. We're looking for speak that rest, has peace is filled with joy because of him, right? It's what we're looking for. So, in Mark 16, Jesus appears to the disciples, and he rebukes their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen and reported it to them. He had already told them before that he would die and rise again the third day, So they were sternly rebuked for not believing others who aligned with the testimony he had already given that he would rise. And they were testifying that his word was fulfilled and he had come back from the dead and he was alive and they were not believing it. They were not believing it. But what does all this have to do with our summer school of healing? Salvation is by grace, through faith, and it is manifested by a confession of faith. Well before there can be any physical evidence to support the claim. So if a drug addict were to walk in here, all right, being friendly and everything else, and then the Spirit of God moved on their heart, that it was time for them to come to know the Lord and yield their lives to him. And they did that. They, in their heart, they believed they could be saved in that moment in time. And then they said, I want to I make a, a, a testimony. I want to say something here. I, I, I just received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe he rose from the dead. I, I believe God just called me to be his. I'm, I believe he just saved me. Okay? We don't have to wait till they go to rehab. We don't have to wait. Are you with me here? Our confession is a manifestation of what our heart has believed, and we are expected to be excited and rejoice just as the angels of heaven do when a faith confession. Is released. So it requires faith on the part of the person making the confession. And guess what? If you're going to rejoice and celebrate in the goodness of God in that confession. You're going to have, have to have faith to believe the confession. Or you won't rejoice. Now, why am I emphasizing this point? Faith causes us to speak of things as existing or being done before there can be any outward proof other than our confession of it. You know, when I got saved, all anybody had to go on was my confession of it. In that moment, there's not opportunity. Now, if they took my confession of it and then postured themselves and say, well, we'll see if it's true or not. Give him a month or two or three or four and we'll see where he's at. Then you didn't receive the confession by faith at all. You didn't. You, as a cynic, you rejected the confession. You just pretended in the moment to receive it. Because if you had literally received it by faith in your own heart, you'd be like the angels of heaven saying, Thank you, Jesus, for this new life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Right? Yes. If you were to come up front and declare you believe in Jesus, God raising from the dead, we would have to conclude that you have been born again. And at that very moment, Everything that he offers is to be made available to you. Everything. We're not allowed to withhold from you all the benefits. You you cannot be refused water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism, communion, participation in fellowship, the gifts of the Spirit are yours. Everything that he has for you in this life is available to you that very moment. We do not get to say to you that you can only make a confession and enjoy the benefits of belonging to him after six months of proving it in life. And I know a lot of churches that have this going on right now because they're embarrassed by how many times they did celebrate somebody coming forward and then they went out and became a train wreck. So what? Let's rejoice and celebrate every confession of faith that is made. Let's celebrate it. We're not on the hook for their confession. We're only on the hook with God for the level of our own faith. I don't have to answer for God if they come and make a confession and then go out and do something to convince people that maybe it wasn't accurate. That's not my fault. The only thing God requires of me in that moment in time is to have the faith to rejoice In that confession. All we give an account to Jesus for is where we moved in faith and where we didn't. And if at the time you're facing him, you were moving in faith, the didn'ts go away. Because it's by faith that you please him. He's not got a little list up there and on the left side is Blew it, did it. Blew it, yeah. did it. And he's not putting check marks on the board for when you get there in front of him, so he's saying, let's see how this measures out. Yeah, the skills tipping on the blew it side. I would have liked to have rewarded you a lot better than I'm about to, but... You know what I think we're going to discover when we get to heaven? I think that the one thing we will discover is... The many times there was an opportunity to see something amazing, but we didn't have the faith to see it. Yeah. But if you remember what Jesus taught about the, the, key, the owner of the vineyard, he told everybody, come and work for, for me for a penny for the day. I'll pay anybody that comes to work in my vineyard today a penny. Some came in at the first, and some came in way late in the day. And then when everybody got their penny, some fussed and complained. And Jesus and the, and the owner of the venue said, "Did I not agree to pay you a penny for your work for the day? Yeah? Did I not pay you a penny? Yeah? What's the problem?" That's the same promise I made to everybody. I didn't make a stipulation about when they came in. I made a stipulation about if they worked for me today, they get a penny. That's heaven. Man, I hope this is just sitting on your heart, you know? How can I say God expects us to accept your confession? Let me give you another example along the lines of what I'm talking about in 1 Corinthians 12.3. three. First 1 Corinthians 12.3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We need to get the tendency towards suspicion out of the body of Christ. Because it's hindering a whole lot of opportunity. For the body of Christ. In the Bible, an authentic confession of faith is the litmus test for a person to be recognized as being a believer before there's any outward proof to offer. In other words, they speak it by faith and we receive their confession by faith simply based on what we see declared so clearly here in Scripture. But what does all this have to do with our summer school of healing. What does it have to do with healing? Well, healing operates by the same principles of faith. If you're waiting for a manifestation before you can say the healing is yours, you're not standing in faith. I'm not talking about trying to confess something into existence here. I'm not dealing in metaphysical realities. That's bogus. We don't confess things into being. We confess things that we believe in our heart, whether we see them or we don't. I confess that I'm saved, whether it seems like I am or I don't. So if I'm having a bad week and I've blown it a few times or whatever, and the devil wants to come and say, you really think you're saved? I'm able to save with all confidence, absolutely, and you need to get out of my face because the blood of Jesus is upon me, and I don't have to put up with your nonsense. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Get away from me. See, by pleading the blood of Jesus and using the name of Jesus, I'm not rebuking him. It's the Lord rebuking him. I don't have anything to rebuke him with except that I am in Christ He's given me his authority, right? right. So everything is through him, and that is my confession, right? Just as salvation is proven ours by our confession of faith, agreeing with the promise of Scripture, so also healing is ours when we believe the promise of Scripture concerning it in our hearts and our belief manifests as a confession of faith from our mouths. There's a difference in a confession that arises out of the heart in faith and a confession from the premise of if I say it enough, eventually it might happen. No, that's Disney princess stuff. That's not biblical faith in operation. You know, after Noah got the word on the ark, I don't think he went around saying I'm going to build an ark. I'm going to build an ark. And by, by about you know, 1,332 times of saying it, finally believed he was going to build an ark. You don't confess yourself necessarily into belief. You confess because of your belief. See, that's the difference in a metaphysical approach to confession and a biblical approach to confession. Now, some might think it that this is silly, but that just reveals unbelief. They insist that they're not going to make a fool of themselves until there's proof in the natural to verify the claim. They don't want anybody thinking they're crazy for speaking something out. Y- you know what I'm saying? I remember I had an ex- strange encounter here many, many, many years ago with a guy who struggled with the idea of faith. We were in my office, and back then, DVDs just came out. Everything prior to that was uh, VHS. How many remember those days? (laughs) Right? And so we're sitting there, and I just pulled in the mail, and one of the flyers, downtown at this this, uh, little hotel place, they do things from time to time, little events. I think they do the christmas tree thing there every year i can't think of the name of the building right now but anyway they were doing a special event down there where uh it was a job fair type thing or business promotion type thing and they were giving away a premier dvd player all you had to do is show up put your name in the till so i looked at that and the holy spirit quickened me in my heart and i looked at this guy and i said you struggle with faith he said I wouldn't call it a struggle. I said, yeah, you do. I said, you see this, ad?" I said, we're going to go down there. I'm going to put in my name, and I'm going to get my DVD. And he laughed at me. And I said, you're going to go with me. That's how convinced I am that that DVD is mine because the Holy Spirit just told me to do this. For your sake, we're going to go down there and I said, "And when you see me win that DVD, you're going to have to start rethinking about what faith looks like and how to hear God speak. He's going to use a silly little example, like a DVD player. We went down, milled around, did some things. They got on the loudspeaker. Tim Ashley, you are the winner. Of our giveaway DVD player, would you report to this, this you know, area in the, in the center? That DVD served back there for quite a long time in this church. Now, you might say, well, that's so silly. When God wants to teach you how to hear his voice, become convinced in your heart, so that your confession can come forth and you can see it realized in his own precious and you know, prime time, He'll, he'll use silly things. He moved my wife. We, we were hurting for a vehicle really bad. Many years ago, we had all these kids, you know, four kids. and We were struggling on the transportation front, and she said, I wish I had a minivan. I said, I don't know what to tell you. I ain't got no money for a minivan. And, uh, and so she was praying about it, and the Lord told her, said, go out there in the driveway and call it in. And she said, do what? And he said, if you believe I'm willing to give you a van. I want you to go right now out to your driveway and just call it in. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? So at midnight, if you understand the makeup of our neighborhood, from our house, anything you yell, the whole neighborhood hears. So she went out and she whispered, Lord, I thank you for the minivan that is going to be parked. Right here in this driveway. He said, that's not going to cut it, daughter. You're talking like you're ashamed of what I want to do for you. I need you to raise your voice. Lord, I thank you for this (laughs) minivan. Daughter, do you believe me? Will you take me at my word or will you not? I want to give you the van that you say you need. Get louder. Then she yelled it, and in two weeks, a minivan that didn't cost us anything was in that driveway. I'm not saying you can name it and claim it. She had a quickening in her heart for a provision from God to a particular need that we had. But it still required her, by faith, to make her confession in alignment with the word of the Lord she'd received in her heart. Just like you make a confession when he calls you to salvation. Right? Same principle. So how does this tie to healing? Check out how all this, this sounds silly, but look at how all this works. Paul, is he speaking to this when he says in 1 Corinthians 1, 20 through 24 listen to this where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer of this age has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world for since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who what believe for Jews request a sign In other words, you show me something before I'll go there, right? And Greeks seek after wisdom. They want to be philosophically or logically convinced. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Your message concerning Jesus dying at the cross for sin may, feel, may seem foolish to some. Don't sit and just argue with them. It's not Why? You don't have to do that. Preach Christ crucified and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you whether there is faith going on in their heart or not. If there's faith going on in their heart, the message is not stupid to them. It makes perfect sense that he would die in my place. Because the Holy Spirit makes it make perfect sense. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. If you could map this out so beautifully, logically, systematically, it would make a difference. Unless there is faith, nothing's going to happen. And where there is faith, there will be a manifestation of a confession. And step with that faith. Amen. Paul is speaking the faith language here. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Let me tell, show you how faith unlocks what's available to us in Jesus. Look at Matthew 9, uh, 20 through 22. Suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Why did it say hour? Why didn't it say second? In the story, it says she touched him, and she perceived, she perceived, she was healed. That's another way of saying she believed it. She believed it. But in this testimony of scripture, made well from that hour, and I think that's there to give us a glimpse into the way this works. She believed. She received. Jesus is going and saying, who touched me? Are you with me? She snuck in, took her healing. Her faith led her to position herself. And when she realized Jesus would find her out, she testified. She testified. She confessed. It was her. And then she must have shared what her deal was and why she pressed through to touch him. Or we would have no record of it in the scripture. In other words, she confessed her belief. Jesus credits her being healed to her having faith. Now we know what faith is. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's the evidence of things not seen. So he tells her, Your faith. So something she had not yet seen, but had a confession because of a belief. Are you trekking with me? Jesus says. Daughter, your faith has made you well. A lot of people struggle with that statement. He makes it several times in the Gospels. And there are a lot of people who struggle with that statement, but it's there. Now, there were all kinds of people pressing in, touching Jesus. So what was so different about her touch and everybody else's? When she touched him... Jesus perceived power going out of him. Faith draws on the power of God. Faith draws on the power of God. In your moment of need, if you have been instilling the word of God into your heart the way you should be, you have the ability to basically see faith arise in your heart, make the, the confession that is in alignment with that faith, and draw on the power of God for your situation. I hope I'm doing this justice in the way I'm approaching it with you. In Mark chapter 10, 51 and 52, Jesus. Is is moving, he's on the move with his disciples. People are following him. They're excited. He's been doing miracles and all kinds of things. And there's this blind man off the way here. And he knows that in all this commotion, it's Jesus. Somehow he, somebody must have told him, I said, What's going on? Somebody, Jesus of Nazareth is coming through. So he's screaming over and over and over again: Son of David, have mercy on me. And so they go to him and say, "You know, you need to be quiet. You'll disturb the master." Son of David, have mercy on me. He keeps going. The disciples even try to hush this man. He won't hush. So Jesus asks him, "What would I do for you? For, what would you have me do for you?" And in response, the man says, "I would that I could see." So Jesus answers and says to him. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man says, Rabbi that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, in this case, immediately, once Jesus says that, he recognizes his faith. As soon as he recognizes his faith, immediately, the man receives his sight and follows Jesus on the road. This blind man's faith led him to be persistent, even with people telling him to hush. And his faith made him determined. His faith led him to speak out. Jesus credits the man's eyesight to his own faith for it. Do you understand that God hates sickness just like he hates sin? Do you know that? Sickness was not God's plan. It came through the fall. Jesus came to undo the effects of that fall. Amen. Amen. God loves faith, but he abhors unbelief. He's never put off by a good, honest faith confession. Man might, make it, man might think it's strange, but why should you care what a natural thinking person has to say about the things of God? Right. Amen. Right. What's that to you? This is why we must get the Word of God into our hearts by means of meditating upon it. You need to be putting something into the bank. You know, I've learned something about finances over my tenure here. I'm 58 now. Took me a little longer than it took some to figure it out, but I did figure it out. I found out that if you want something that you think you need and it costs a certain amount of money, if you don't have that money in the bank, you can't buy it. Unless you want to go deep into credit and then later on have to file bankruptcy, you're not going to get it. Right? You need something in your bank account to draw on. Your heart is your spiritual bank account. What are you putting in it? What are you putting in the bank account? Because trust me, there are going to be things come up in your life you're going to need to be able to make a withdrawal. Now, Jesus has promised that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Whose belly does that flow? That The one who believes. That's the one that has the river of living water flowing out. Not the one who doesn't. It is the one who believes. And we have even set it up in the church in such a way for many decades now that what it is is God's got some special people that move in the power of the Holy Spirit and then there's the rest of us. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true. We are all His sons and daughters. We are all equally favored by God. We all are entitled to the to measure of faith that we have been given and to even see that grow by the entrance of his word into our heart. You can also help build up your faith by praying in the spirit, Jude says. Right? So there's that, that element too. And, and then we all have differing gifts, but we all have an anointing. The difference is is some of us actually believe it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely right. We have to get the word of God into our hearts by means of meditating upon it. We need to let the promises set up shop in our minds until our hearts become convinced and we begin to speak it out as being done already. You aren't in heaven yet, but don't you claim it's yours and that you're going there? Have you ever seen heaven? But isn't it strange how easy it is for everybody who professes to be a Christian, just because they read about heaven and the Word of God, in my Father's house there are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would not have told you. That's what they'll quote to you. I know there's a heaven. I know I got a mansion there. I know I got this. How do you know that? It says so in the Bible. It also says you can be healed, that you were healed, that by the stripes of Jesus you were, past tense, healed. It also says that he gives a diversity of gifts to the believers. That means you have a gift. It also says, uh, you you follow what I'm saying? Why do we only fight for the promise of heaven, but not for the other promises? It also says this one. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. All of them. We speak about heaven as if it's done already. And we need to let the word of God, regarding the promises and the gifts and everything that comes with it, set up shot in our minds until our hearts become convinced. You aren't in heaven yet, but you're claiming it. The same thing's true as as, uh, these other things. If you'll let the word of God take up residence so that you can bring it out in honest and integrity of confession. So why is it that when it comes to healing, we think we must operate in a different manner? Everything to do with the kingdom operates according to faith. We renew our minds by the washing of the water of the word until our hearts become convinced of the truth concerning Jesus and his ways. And then our mouths speak with authority what it is we have come to believe in our hearts. That's how it works. When I met Sheila, I wasn't trying to meet her. A friend was trying to get me to meet her. I ended up driving her home one Sunday night and let her out of the car. I thought I was being courteous. In my opinion, she was way above my my league, you know, especially given the background I came out of. And so I dropped her off that night in her house, and there was a full moon, and she got out of the car to go in her house, And I mean, she's just thinking some guy from church gave her a lift. That's all she's thinking. She gets out of the car. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. That is going to be your wife. I'm like, I just gave her a ride home. You know? Every guy in the church of 850 that was single wanted her for a wife. The competition was extremely heavy. I was considered low man on the totem pole. It's true. You know it's true. You know I'm not lying. Because during our separation point in our history, they were all trying, now's my chance, you know. So, But that's how it was playing out. But, but I had a word from God. And I would have my friends say, you really think you're going She's not even interested in you right now. She's done giving up on you. She's tired of all your stuff. She's going, to- I said, she's going to be my wife, guys. I'm just telling you. You don't think that looks stupid? <laughs> then the moment came in the arrangement of God for all the pieces to come together. And sure enough, we became husband and wife. God will fulfill his word. Just like it said, anyone who puts their trust in him will never be put to shame. But the key is, is, is your trust really in him? Or is it more in your circumstance? More in what you can see. As believers, we're weird people. Because we go around talking about things we can't see. That's just the way it is. We talk about things we can't see. Before our fourth son was born, the Lord gave a prophetic word to my wife. All of our kids were named very prophetically, and they have owned up to it <laughs> in life. And then our, our youngest son, um, the Lord gave her a prophetic vision of a child just coming out of the womb laughing, with his head thrown back laughing, and the word laughter. And so that's Isaac. That's what it means. And boy, has that kid been a riot, you know. <laughs> Painting a you-know-what sometimes, but he can just charm your socks off. He can make you laugh so hard your belly aches. He's just that kind of kid. Of course, he's not a kid anymore. He's 27, 28 now. And, uh, so, but nevertheless, that's just been his, his history. He fits. Why, why is that true of him? Because God knew him. You know, we've gotten away from from letting the Lord speak to us about even naming our children. Throughout the Bible, they needed a word from the Lord to name a child. And so they named the child based on the, the Lord speaking to them. And you remember, there was a whole book, The Prayer of Jabez. And Jabez prayed because his name meant misery and hardship and all this stuff. He didn't like that name. That was not a good prophetic destiny. So he prayed to the Lord and said that I would not live up to my name. You know? You remember that? Because that's how prophetically kids were named in the Bible. That's why the Bible would say a good name is rather to be chosen than many riches. Why? The name is part of your prophetic destiny. If you're doing it the way they did it in the times of the Bible, your name was your prophetic destiny. Think about that. That's why I like my name, Timothy. It means honoring God. Great name. I'm so glad my parents chose biblical names for their kids. And I hope you parents are thinking that way for your kids, that you're thinking more than just what's a catchy name or catchy. Think about what God's plan is for their lives and let a prophetic destiny settle in your heart concerning it so that you raise them up in that direction. Amen? Everything you do in the kingdom operates according to faith. And that's why the head, the heart, and the mouth must come into unity and faith concerning all that God wills for us. All that God wills for us. And believe it or not, saints, this Pleases him greatly. God delights in hearing a confession of actual faith. Not a confession of trying to reach faith so much. A confession of actual faith. Well, I've rambled long enough. So I'll stop that right there. So that you can soak this in. I will be taking this message and I will be breaking it up into pieces and parts on my Good News broadcast, not in the coming week, I have a different one coming up this coming week, but in the following week I will continue to press this, we'll take the summer school of healing beyond July in that sense, that you'll continually have an opportunity to have scripture and encouraging words regarding scripture sewn into your heart. If you want to take advantage of that, you'll find that on my Good News That Actually Is podcast. Uh, There's a blog site. It's www.goodnewsthatactuallyis.com, or you can go to timactually.com, and it'll take you to the same place. And you can get Monday a three- to five-minute encourage, Tuesday three- to five-minute, Wednesday, Thursday three- to five-minute, and then Friday an entire message. So there'll be plenty there for you to constantly be feeding on, To aid you, but I would encourage you, don't just rely on that. Where the Holy Spirit tweaks you, go dig it out in the Word. This Bible that you have such a privilege to possess, go dig it out in there. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you more profoundly. Soak in it, soak in it, soak in it so that you're filling up your bank account and you have something to draw on when a situation calls for it. Can we pray? Father, we just pray right now. We ask for Holy Spirit revelation, Holy Spirit encouragement and strength and boldness to come upon us. Yes, God. We know that revelation flows from you, Lord. We have nothing that we achieved ourselves. We got it from you. And so we're relying on you to impart what is needed. You know where everybody's at, what place they're at, what thing can encourage them, take them to another level of in their faith on it. So we just trust that to you, Father. We trust that to the work of the Spirit. We ask you, Lord, if there's anybody that's going to hear this that has never surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and turned away from the sin of unbelief to begin to believe, we ask that you'd work in their heart. You stir their heart, bring it to life in faith so they can make a confession, an honest confession. Father, we pray these things. We look forward to more and more hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and turning to him. We look forward to many being delivered of the demonic oppression and the spirits that operate. We look forward to many being healed and even reconstructive miracle healings in their bodies. Father, we're, we're just we're standing in faith in these areas. I confess it right now in faith. We're going to watch reconstructive min- miracles take place in this fellowship. Amen. So, Father, we're just leaning into you more and more and let your word deposit in our hearts very powerfully, we pray. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.
0: What a great encouragement from the Lord. Hello again. We want to invite you to subscribe to this ministry. We would love to hear from you. Contact us at our website, www.HarvestChurchKnoxville.com. Click on the connect button and leave us a message. We'll respond to you just as soon as we can. You can also interact with us on Facebook at Harvest Church. Our request is that you pray for us and also pray about financially supporting this ministry so it can continue to go out. No gift is too small. If you have a local church, please don't neglect it in your giving whenever giving to this ministry. There's three easy ways to give and all our giving options are secure. Your first option is at our website. Again, www.harvestchurchknoxville.com Click on the Give button and follow the steps. Your second option is via text. Send a text to 865-366-4993 with the amount that you wish to give in the message section. Your third option is via snail mail. Send it to Harvest Church, 6720 Kern Road, that's K-E-R-N, Knoxville, Tennessee, Three seven nine one eight. If you are in the Knoxville, Tennessee area and you don't have a church home, we invite you to come and be with us. We'd love to see you. Again, thank you for listening. Our prayer for you is that you grow in your knowledge of Christ Jesus and experience great increase of grace and peace. Remember, Jesus really loves you.